0: to Free Demos, an Ix and Draconis fan podcast broadcasting from Asaph Hall at Lake Voltaire on Demos. We noticed a lot of flashing red and blue lights and a rare visit from IRPF at the new bowling alley, but no official news from Bullmore. More as this develops. Whatever happens, remember when you support local businesses, you support Demos. Because that's all we have. There is only one tourist attraction on all of Deimos
1: now, which is regrettable, and it's a bowling alley.
2: And only one corp, local business
1: corp. It was a bowling alley, and it was a local corp.
2: (laughs) And then somebody
0: threw the ball, and it hasn't come back yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mind the pins.
0: This week's episode is episode 22, depending on how you number these things, on the crafting rules. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about the HSD Kickstarter, because there is no other news in the cosmos, and talk about how you can help, and possibly how you can help buy us a home. After that, we'll have a round of questions and opinions, with a question submitted by our hosts. Uh, What are the limits of transcendent technology? We'll move on to our topic after that, and then move on to what's awesome. But before we get started with that ambitious agenda, I'd like to ask our hosts, guys, what should the HSD task force add to the equipment list for the next edition?
2: I think sound suppression gear that Phoenix cannot hear. With their, like, wait, with their huge ears? and Yes. It's good enough to actually make it so that Phoenix cannot hear every single little thing you're doing.
0: Oh, 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 okay. Okay, yeah, that sounds, that sounds reasonable. Phoenix um, are not a major majority in space, but still, they... Thank, they, thank goodness. Yeah, they do see all and hear all and hear all. Lasers. Now, I'm going to ask for weapons-grade hair restorer. For Restoring
1: weapons-grade hair? Sure, if it comes <laughs> to that. I don't think that's been done yet. Instant robo-bunny. <laughs> 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 clip, 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 clip. Boy, how can anything that big hide for so long a time?
2: Yeah. I wonder what their next move
1: will be.
0: Moving on to Ixu news, there is nothing to talk about but the Kickstarter.
2: He, he didn't get to say his thing. Rewind.
0: He did. He said lasers. Oh, just lasers.
2: Lasers. Lasers with a with a nasal voice. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be it. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to news from the Ixen Draconis universe. There is no other news than the Kickstarter, which is going gangbusters. It is currently at something near double its $7,000 goal at $15,000. So good on it. Uh, stretch goals are being unlocked. The next one is going to be the 11 by 17 play map of known space. If your minis game involves an entire solar system and flow charts, I kind of think you're doing it wrong. We're doing it really well. (laughs) We're taking over whole planets. What's the scale on that? My little Fennec is now the size of (laughs) Vesta, too. We need different miniatures for that. Okay, fair enough. Pulse just made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) So if you haven't donated to the Xendragonus Kickstarter, the link is in the show notes. Go over there, and even if you just leave a dollar and a comment, that does help the Kickstarter's metrics in secret and subtle ways. So go and chip in, even if your pockets aren't that deep, you can still help out the overall project.
2: Somewhere, someone with a name, which is all caps and flashing. Probably works for Pulse. Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) It has taken you centuries
0: to even grasp what we developed eons of your years ago. There is no news from Radio Free Demos. However, if you have already donated to the Ixun Draconis Kickstarter, and still have some spare pennies in your back pocket, I'd ask you to consider giving just a little bit more to help the hosts of Radio Free Deimos get themselves a home. Because we don't actually live on Deimos, despite the conceit of every episode, because Deimos was demolished 200 years ago to make way for a hyperspace bypass. It's true. So. Go to our webpage, check out the show notes. There's going to be a link to a very simple donate button. And if you chip in a dollar or two, we are trying to have a small fund to buy ourselves a space station. That's one of the lower-hanging fruit pledge points of the ExuDracona's Kickstarter, a space station or a blue sky station to kind of make yourself a part of the HSD continuity. And as someone that's a pretty big fan of HSD, I'd love to have... Just this little artifact on the HSC timeline would be really exciting. So help us make Voltaire Station a real thing, in a very hazy sense of the word "real." A blip on the galactic horizon. Well, not a blip. The, those rules won't be out for some. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Sev just recently lowered the price point of the Blue Sky Station, so that's down to I think
1: a uh, hundred. It's less. It's a little less. Lowered by $50. So it's a more attainable goal now. It's a number that you too can discover by going to the Kickstarter. Or the show notes. Or the show notes. Ideally, we would have enough to
0: purchase, quote unquote, this marvelous blue sky station, a five kilometer floating thing, and get Ashtar his own copy of Sound and Silence so he will not have to scam ours. That's my personal goal. One thing I've been wanting to do for Radio Free Demos is run some actual play sessions with some of our favorite players that can't always make it to our table. So if we can get to the point where we can have our own Blue Sky Station and through the generosity of our listeners, a copy of the book for Ashtar, I'm going to open up the idea of running a actual play. The very self-indulgent plot is going to be liberating the 20th century literature major penal colony, uh, Kafka 6. Or destroying it, PCs are really not very predictable. Mm -hmm. So that's my personal pledge. If we can get to that lofty pledge goal, we're going to make that silly, silly plot happen. And remember, the HSD Kickstarter runs through August 11th. With the possible exception of the second rulebook, every dollar that's given to us will go directly towards intangible rewards that will not raise the cost of the Ixundraconis Kickstarter. So all of the money will go straight towards stretch goals. Yay.
2: Be so stupid. Oh, don't ask me any questions. I'm just a hard hand just like you.
0: Moving on to questions and opinions. We don't actually have answers. This but week, I have opinions. That's, we all have opinions. Those are cheap. This week's question was suggested by Ashtar, who in the wake of last Sunday's campaign has asked the question, What are the limits of transcendent technology?
1: Well, less so. What are the limits of transcendent technology? But more so that transcendent technology is basically space magic. And anytime that you're dealing with magic of any sort, you're either dealing with kind of high fantasy magic or kind of low magic that has rules and is kind of understandable. And and how do you really re- work that back into a game that is otherwise not magical?
0: I would suggest there's another category of magic which you are overlooking, and that is Lovecraftian magic.
1: And I think that's strongly where TTI, space sorcery, comes from. I don't know if I want to argue directly that point, but I don't think I completely agree with you there. Okay. And I think a lot of that is, when I think of Lovecraftian, it really is kind of the outer world stuff man was not meant to know, weird out there type stuff. It's not... And this might just be my own lack of literary history showing, but it's not something that I generally see as being very harnessable. It's kind of an overwhelming opposition that you just kind of try to step out of the way and let it go past or stay out of sight and hope it doesn't notice you and goes back to sleep. Absolutely.
0: Ish. Ish. (laughs) Lovecraftian magic comes from the sword and sorcery pulp tradition, which Lovecraft was right there writing. Generally speaking, that entire genre is about swords, and sorcery is the secondary part. That's really more an oppositional force. The heroes are going to wield swords. That's your Fafner and the Grey Mouser. The bad guys are going to wield occultic powers that they barely control and understand. And they're generally going to be either dangerous allies or actual antagonists or go back and forth between categories. Assuming Transcendent Technology follows that mold, it's not entirely meant for PC hands. And I think that that shows in that Transcendent Technology, when wielded to its fullest, puts a six to eight session fuse on the character, maybe a little longer, depending on how combat intensive and how magic intensive your game gets. The ultimate trajectory of a Transcendent character is to be consumed by their implants, unless they just play
1: it safe forever. Where's the fun of that? Absolutely. I don't know. While the the rules definitely enjoy teasing out the worst case scenarios and how everything can go horribly wrong, I think the rules, are HSD at least, are pretty well segmented into making the implants at least usable tools. Maybe not very useful or powerful tools at the beginning, but... They, they have a level of utility before they start going off into a much sharper risk versus reward cliff. Sure. You get a couple of yards of rope first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's true that you can use transcendent technology for simple stuff like lighting a cigarette or teleporting things across a room. Small stuff is easy and doesn't risk your soul. The trajectory of transcendent technology tends to be that eventually you'll fail a die roll. Eventually you'll use the technology when someone else in the room has an implant and things will get catastrophically weird. It's I'm not saying it's inevitable, but in a game that utilizes transcendent technology heavily,
1: it kind of is. Things get weird. And then if people don't immediately de-escalate and get out, then things get crazy weird.
0: Well, I think that if you go over the threshold of your TTI implant, you get kicked up to the next power level. And then if you use it again, conceivably, you could then get kicked to the next power level and eventually you go Nova. As I remember it, it's been a while since we've covered this topic, and it doesn't turn up in our campaign very often.
2: Right. I, I look at it, and I just see something. That's something that, that Corbeau would play.
1: And I don't. I don't like my buttons that big and that candy red. <laughs> and you, as a group, neatly sidestepped the GM's last attempt to force one upon you. True. And I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> so I, I personally feel like if you
0: ask what the limits of Transcendent Technology are, as an NPC tool it's really limited only to plot contrivance and the desire not to railroad and overwhelm the PCs. As a PC tool, I think it's limited by fuse length,
1: by the concept that ultimately this is technology that will tend to devour you, although I think that's changing in 2.0. Now, those are very good points, and those aren't anything that I would argue with, although I think I may have phrased the question maybe a bit wrong because it's not it's not how to use TTI technology in a campaign. It's How do you keep TTI as placed in a HSD universe, in a sci-fi universe, and not letting it become high fantasy magic? That's a different question. So you don't want it to be commonplace. That would be really sad.
0: Well, that would be a a different sort of campaign. Fair enough. In our campaign, we wouldn't want it to be commonplace. But in a far future-styled game, then yeah, sure, why not? It's just another form of magic and everything else is as well.
1: HSD is pretty well set on timeline, though. So instead of far future, would you say that it'd be appropriate for a high resource campaign to see a lot more of that stuff? Well, I, I mean, far future is kind
0: of a style, like really emphasizing the maybe the golly gee or the everybody has zap guns. We really don't know how saturated with technology minute-by-minute life is. We don't saturate with advertisement, but not necessarily uh, how much gear Joe on the street is carrying. And I don't think we know how common Transcendent technology is. Uh, It's known. It's not going to, like, terrify someone as a dark witchcraft power, but is it something that one person in every neighborhood would have? Is it something the board members are going to likely to have? Is it something that only one in a thousand people have? We don't know. Is it like mutant powers? Eh. So if it's commonplace that people can frequently levitate things by gesturing at them or teleport them or cause them to burst into flames, that's a little different tone. And that's
1: kind of what I was aiming for with like far future is how dissolved is the concept of reality as we know it. I mean, if you want to judge rarity by the price put upon it. Uh, pretty damn rare then. <laughs> <laughs> so the limits you'd put on transcendent
0: tech in a more anything goes campaign, I don't
1: see any limit other than the inevitable explosion as even being necessary because reality is pretty distorted at that point seems like there'd be a lot of npcs that would be just inevitably exploding on a fairly regular basis oh yeah you can't rule that stuff out
0: i mean again you can use the day-to-day stuff like the house cleaning level transcendent technology without any real risk of life and limb it's when a lot of people start using transcendent technology together that it becomes a problem reality starts melting at the edges your refrigerator starts
2: becoming so clean, you just can't believe it. <laughs> you really cannot believe it.
0: In a campaign that's more grounded in realism, like ours tends to be, we've—I mean—we've avoided a lot of deep space magic. There's not cogs in our game that we've—well, not too many cogs.
1: You hit a whole space station full of cogs. That I only hit yeah, one they NPC cogs. I think that worked the other way around. But <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> um, anyway. A lot of the stranger elements of the game have not turned up at our table, particularly in PC hands. So if you're talking about limiting or restricting or maintaining the flavor of Transcendent technology, then I think you are talking about a more limited fantasy table, which, which is what we have, I think, for the most part. So why did this come up again? Because I asked the question. Okay, also, <laughs> you, you made up your own implant in the last game. That is true. As the Game Master, you have that prerogative. Right, right. Page three says so. <laughs> it does.
2: we received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise.
0: So the topic for this week's episode is going to be the crafting rules. The reason we selected this topic was because nobody at the table knows how the crafting rules work, and thus far we haven't found an excuse to use the crafting rules in our campaign.
1: So it seemed like something perfect to pretend we have expertise on. You want something? The crafting rules say you don't get it. It's very simple. <laughs> yeah, but it takes six pages
0: to say that, so I think it is worth <laughs> unpack, unpacking. I'd like to open up with how the rules work and then maybe talk about some implications in the game world and the crafting rules as a storyteller tool. I think that's how we format pretty much all of our topics, and that's okay. So what do we know about crafting? Looking at page 107, the proficiency list, we know that crafting refers to how things are made. End of episode. That was easy. Yeah. See you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. When combined with other proficiencies and other skills and the right tools that can allow for the production of objects, that suggests that it does not lead to intangible results, although I think I'm going to make an argument that it can later on. Like music? Like music, like art. There is no art rule in this rule, in this world, but
1: this is the closest we have to it. Okay. Well, besides express. Right. Which... Which does fall under the communication section, so you can argue that that's a misinterpretation to apply that to art directly. Yeah, it's a bard skill. It's not
0: uh, necessarily a makey-thingy skill. But it could be. But it could be. And I'd like to suggest that it is as well. Denied. (laughs) You're not the boss of me right this second. Other things we know about craft, the general scope of this skill is that it's a typical HST skill. It runs from one dot to four dots. One dot is perhaps you can build a birdhouse. Uh, it won't work. The bird's house door will be too small. The birds will suffocate inside. Catches on fire. I believe that's zero dots. Zero dots. Your house does not hold birds very well. It catches on fire. The birds escape. No, the birds can't escape. They die screaming.
2: It's not up to birdhouse code. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One dot, anything more complex than a car, anything less complex than a car, you know, the components involved. So you can pretty much build a car from scratch up. And this is, again, one of those places where I feel like HSD's skill set goes from 0 to 60 with very little pause. Yeah.
2: Well, on the other hand,
0: how many gradations of that do you need? I mean, how many
2: people make that part of their characters?
0: That's true. With the fantasy and white wolfy background I have, I really love the craft skills. Mm -hmm. And I think they say a lot about the character so
1: one dot's pretty professional in this particular one we can compare that to other skills though zero dots i just opened a vein with a butter knife accidentally oops one pip yeah you know i'm out there on the weekends having duels with other folks it's it's fun it's a thing i do it don't judge me (laughs) two dots anything less complex
0: two dots anything less complex than an aircraft three dots anything less complex than a spacecraft Which ultimately raises the question of how do you craft a spacecraft? And that is actually answered by the rules. In space. (laughs) (laughs) There's Phobos. It's not really space. (laughs) One thing the rules repeatedly state is that you do not save money by using the crafting rules. That is not a thing. You cannot make something at a cheaper rate than you can buy it from Walmart because they have better tools, better manufacturing and better workflow. Crafting is for uniqueables. Limited runs. It's how to build ginchy cool stuff from your favorite TV shows or sci-fi books. It is not how you build a standard rifle.
1: Yeah, it's not an economic skill meant to let you discount stuff for yourself. This is not the tabletop game of work simulation. No. And and I think that's something that we
0: love-hated with uh, D&D 4.0 was that you really couldn't make money with crafting and making magic items. You could just kind of maybe break even if you're really lucky. Mm Mm-hmm. Which takes away from something that's a very pointless digression and kind of a waste of time in long, slow grocery store campaigns.
2: Did answer the question of what to do with all those tridents of fish command.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Melt them down. Yep. So two major applications for craft. The second one is the full-on orchestrated let's build a something from scratch, make a blueprint, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, send it to the printers, have fabricated, sell the blueprints to the nearest competitor, and finally end up with the perfect toaster. I'm a real inventor. (laughs) The simpler use, the MacGyver use, is that if you have the craft proficiency, you can make a pipe bomb or throw some stuff together for a trap or tweak a door so that it closes itself automatically or put a modification on a weapon, assuming you already have the modification in its shrink wrap package with the instruction booklet still on. So low-level crafting can be used for ad hoc constructions. That's what you use to improvise. Make a birdhouse for yourself. Hand away the problem. Yeah, pretty much. So there's some suggestion that craft can be used to represent some low-end artisanal skill.
1: But on the bright side, because we are 700-some-odd years in the future, we don't have the problem that other game systems run into where Clever Wizard decides to invent electricity.
2: Hmm. True,
1: true. And make a railgun. That's true. There's very little totally new that could be invented.
2: Faster than light travel. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, 2.0, sir. Snow leopards. Sentient AI—that must have been done somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure, yes, has one. But going on to the full-on orchestrated craft experience, that is a complex, multi-stage, multi-role process, and we know two of the steps. <laughs> I've written down a lot more of that <laughs> too. Like many of the more complex operations in HSD, including shipbuilding, major repairs, ship-ship battles, the game will attempt to. Bring in a wide variety of roles, so you get some non-standard skills that you might not normally use. You're going to have some different combinations of stat plus dice type. So you might have to roll mind strength, you might have to roll body presence even. It shakes it up a little bit and keeps it from being too static, so there's no single you-can-win stat. And mm-hmm. that's a pretty common element of HSD. View the ledger rules. What ledger rules? 2.0. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> So taking craft step by step, one of the major costs of the craft rule set, if this is really a cost for your table and it isn't necessarily, is time. Every time you throw a handful of dice and craft, it represents eight hours. So really two rolls a day is about what you
1: can expect for a standard kind of work day. Three if you took that one surgery. Wait, you, you just made a car with five wheels? Oh, that's cute. I just spent the last two weeks in the (laughs) Neurotrainer. Real costs, people.
2: Now, this is separate from MacGyvering, right? Or is this flat out, you cannot
0: do it in less than eight hours? Um, There are some specific focus abilities that will let you adjust your craft time. I think one of them is uh, efficiency is excellence, which takes down to four hours. I don't actually know how long a MacGyver-style check takes, and Uh I suspect it takes less than eight hours. But for the workflow project management side of crafting. E- each role represents eight hours of either work or massaging your contact network or sitting at fabrication, filing your nails while the blueprint is processed and uploaded.
1: It's a long sequence that's almost guaranteed to take at least three days of time, bare minimum. Okay. Along- and no more than two and two and a half days are spent beating on the uh, craft suite trying to get it set up the way that you want to actually do work. Absolutely. If you're making a starship, that's going to take a bare minimum of 16 successes
0: plus 4, 20. Well, you can always roll more than one success on a roll, but it, you're guaranteed to take at least 10 rolls. He almost did the math. I could have done the math. <laughs> I, I got halfway down the doing the math thing. Then I realized that someone might have more than one die to roll. So, hey, it becomes kind of meaningless. If you haven't have 20 dice in this one stat, you could make the roll in one go. Good luck. <laughs> We're not playing rifts, though. (laughs) Okay, so step one is the know your requirements phase. This is the brainstorming research phase. You are going to be spending your character's time with a blueprint pen, sketching things out, planning things out on your computer, doing some market research, that sort of thing. The idea is to come up with a clear vision of your concept for your ultimate product. What's it going to look like in your character's head? And another question is, how likely is your character to follow through with this? So kind of build in the role-playing elements. Does your character have the fortitude to survive the
1: next three or four days? This is the easiest step for the GM because they just have to say no a lot. You don't have to listen to the pesky dice. That's true. The dice do come into it. <laughs> so
0: one question I'd like to ask before we get started is what specifically is the craft skill? And at many times in this chart and this flow process, I think it's actually the project management skill mm-hmm. with a funny name. Because to use the craft skill to build, say, a robot, you do not technically need the robotic skill yourself. You can just guide other people.
1: Or other robots. Or other robots. Robotception. Oh, wait, we can't use that term anymore. Robotception TM. (laughs) Thank you, ASR. So
0: your first die roll is going to be a mind strength plus craft to conceptualize it. You're going to make a very clear vision of your final product and then move forward to using the design computer to put it into its initial proposal stage. And then add flair. Then add flair. So there you go. Your first eight hours done. If you fail that check, you've got to try again, spend another eight hours brainstorming. If you critically fail it, you're probably dealing with a flawed concept that will be resolved later on during the testing phase, we hope. So, step one brainstorm. This is actually where some of the folding in additional skills comes in because if you're trying to conceptualize a new medicine or a new organism you'll want to have science if you want to work with software you need to have computers if you want to have mechanical components you need to have the robotics skill uh, even for a car so this is where you can fold in extra skills and these are not skills that you yourself need to have these are things that you need to be able to bring to the table in some form but there are things you can lean on your party for what if i want to make art So, yeah, what about um, if you want to make a a player a novel, maybe book smarts to represent cultural knowledge. That's kind of the general academic skill. Uh, Some other ones. uh, Why not medicine if you're trying to make a new implant or a chemical compound? Sure. Uh, Choreography. Express inspire. Making a musical? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Collateralized debt options in a subprime market. Finance. Science. Science. Science and science. Yeah, okay, let's, let's ask the scientists to sketch out our choreography for the big musical number at
1: the end of this episode.
0: Look, they're just standing there swaying back and forth. T-
1: <laughs> the audience will be breathless.
0: <laughs> so this is a place where the Game Master could extend things by adding in a couple of new, new skills and things like that, if they saw fit. Step two, the design phase. This is when you move from concept to prototype, perhaps a virtual prototype. The rules suggest that this is mostly going to be implemented on a design computer, which is a little VR lab to simulate the fine aspects of your blueprinting and sketching out. You're checked for this stage. You're going to make three different roles. Stage 3A is the design stage. This is mind, dexterity, plus craft. Pretty straightforward. Okay. Step 2-sub-B is the drafting
1: phase. 3-sub-B. Th- or 1-sub-B. But probably not 2-sub-B. I hate you all. <laughs> Step two sub B
0: is the drafting phase. Step three. Three sub B. Don't make me blow our rating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The last one was three sub A.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't care anymore. (laughs) The next step. So let's not cut any of that. No, I'm going to leave it all. (laughs) Part something one is the design phase. Mind X plus craft. Part something two is the draft phase, body dexterity plus craft, which is a little bit of a confusing point for me because this is the year 2750 or so, and I would like to assume that I can just dictate the terms to my computer. You can't. Clearly. Step blank three is the inspect phase, which is mind acuity craft. Blank that- C. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to screw up at this point. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, again, that's three separate roles. At this point, you have invested at least 24 hours into this process, 32 hours into this process. Um, if any of these roles fail, you're going to lose eight hours to have to backtrack over that step. But if you want to save time, you can critically fail and move immediately ahead to the implementation phases. <laughs> Yay! I do kind of balk at the idea of using body dexterity plus craft. I think it's a little bit precious and an attempt to shoehorn character diversity in rather than a legitimate need for the crafting process which seems fairly cerebral except for this and one other interesting part where you show some leg, <laughs> but that's an opinion. Moving on to what I believe to be step three, I'm not <laughs> sure anymore, Yeah, is the testing phase, for which you will need a testing computer, unless you don't. This particular section of the crafting rule branches in two different directions, maybe three, depending on whether you are creating a hardware product or a software product. This is some funky rolls coming up. The testing phase assumes that you are going to your employer or have rented a space and are using their testing equipment. If you own your own testing computer, you can skip this phase entirely. Though you will still need to accumulate successes later on to build the final product. So you don't actually save that much work or rolls, but you don't have to have these fairly specific skill stat combinations. To create software products, you need to roll Mind Presence Plus Craft. Mind presence, for the record, is the kind of intangible soul stat. It also has some social implications in that it's useful for intimidation. Impressing people with your ideas might fall under this as well. I code with my soul. Well, I think to a degree you're trying to sell this to the people that own the testing facility. Now I'm imagining the coding battle aura. <laughs> it's bright blue. It crackles. If you are building a hardware product, you're going to roll... Body presence plus craft. And I don't know what this means. I do not. Because your body has to look good if you're going to make a chair. I think that's the case. Body presence represents how much you embody your breed. So perhaps you really need to be a dog to use their testing facility. To to turn a fine wooden chair leg, you need to have a good leg. That makes perfect sense. Kind of from an alchemical perspective anyways. I'm just a little distressed that you have to be particularly cute to make hardware that one kind of phases me just a bit yeah i'm an engineer and i I don't believe that but you do have to impress someone to be able to rent their massive facilities unless you already own your own testing station okay so this is i think a place where again the rules are trying to encourage diversity and it's worth pointing out you do not have to have these traits you need to have a member of the party that has these traits okay so if your character is a machinist Uh, If you look at Greek mythology, you you can see that the crafter god is kind of lame and messed up and uh, Not much fun at parties and I think that's repeated in a number of other mythologies as well You need to know how to craft and you can guide your party members to it So this is a time for you to ask someone else to use their contacts and then kind of
1: sketch out the plan for them If need be I think it was also repeated in Silicon Valley Because design by committee never goes wrong Technically true But your
0: party is not a committee. They are a light and small corporation team. And the rules over and over again would like you to bring in your your fellow player characters. Particularly in a long and arduous sequence of rules like this. Remember, this represents probably at least two or three hours of tabletop time. Or it certainly could. And this is a chance to bring in new plot elements. I believe each of these stages involves eight more hours. I'm not sure. Oh, if you're building something that involves both hardware and software components, like... A robot. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to have a pretty good mind and body presence. So you're going to have to be impressive on several levels. Okay. Fundamentally, this boils down to a diplomacy plus craft check. The result of this stage of the craft rules is that you get a blueprint. As we've gone over before, a blueprint is one of the most valuable things in the universe in certain circumstances. This is a very tradable product, and it is perhaps a good thing to have a social person in the room to help with the negotiations on this phase. Otherwise, you've left a very valuable document in the hands of your corporation, of a corporation. Again, if your character owns their own uh, testing facility, owns their own testing computer, I think, you can skip this step and move straight to the manufacturing process. This is kind of a sideline quest sort of thing to add more depth to your crafting experience and bringing more members of the party.
2: Or once you have a blueprint, you can simply head to the nearest East Texas court and start suing other corporations.
0: Absolutely. One thing that worries me is the suggestion that all physical manufacturing plants are run by horn dogs. <laughs> I guess I'm broadly okay with that as a concept, but it's kind of strange. I do want substantiation though. Um, you want the calendar. <laughs> yes, I do. All this makes sense to me from a storytelling perspective. And the question is what do the rules do for your story? And this is a place where it brings in diversity.
2: And I guess you should, should or could regard these as this is the default way in which things would happen. But there might be other ways in which they could happen, which might involve different stat rolls.
0: That's true. We kind of look at this like a 4.0 skill challenge from D&D, where you have these different waves of activities that can bring in different people. Mm-hmm. Although the the fact that every single element involves the craft skill kind of weakens that argument a little bit. Although you can always share duties. Yeah, Remember, if you yourself have three dots in a skill, everybody in your party conceivably has two dots in that skill. I believe that's right. Because? Because of the help rules, which let you give someone else your skill level minus one. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. So if you're fairly competent, well if you're, if you're deeply professionally competent, everybody else in your party is pretty, pretty well trained functionally. Pretty good, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you critically fail your beautiful role... That means you misinterpret your results. <laughs> so your own personal beauty and charisma will interfere with your uh, will obscure your judgment. Hmm. Now, I'm, I'm too sexy for my craft. <laughs> too sexy for my craft. That that is perhaps an overstatement. If you critically failed this stage, then you move into the manufacturing stage with a flawed design, and that can cause you some serious problems later on. What's the famous
2: sculptor that fell in love with his sculpture? Pygmalion. Is that an example?
1: Possibly. That gets far more complicated when you're crafting AI. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that section of our campaign. (laughs) Oh, oh, Clippy.
0: (laughs) So I think this is step four at this point. We are in the manufacturing phase. You've got your blueprint set up. You've got your plans. You've got your vision. You've theoretically tested it, although that is an option. Although that is a dangerous option. And you're ready to feed this into the computers at your level 1 or level 2 manufacturing facility. Your level 1 FAC can produce items the size of a motorcycle. Your level 2 FAC can produce everything else. It cannot produce a starship, but it can produce the parts of a starship. You're going to need a mountain of successes for this stage of the crafting process, and you can use all of these successes you've rolled previously as your kind of starting success pool. Hope at some point in time previously you did not quit. The simplest crafting processes are going to require a base of 4 or 5 successes, 4 if you skip the testing phase. These are going to be small objects, simple weapons, basic software, your typical phone apps, small equipment upgrades, and small harmless life forms. So 5 successes to build a better mouse. I guess we don't do that anymore do we? 8 successes is most day to day machines. This is kind of I think your typical PC gear category. This includes computers, small vehicles, generators, trainable and rideable organic constructs, so your basic battle horse or trained dog, small but complex sensor devices, and control arrays. So, really, I think most of your standard day-to-day inventions are going to be eight successes on this extended series of roles. Okay. Fourteen successes... Will let you build large specialty vehicles, building systems, complex personal devices, strange and alien organic constructs, spaceworthy bioprobes, violent constructs, strange dangerous mechanical constructs, or a one- to two-person spacecraft. Fourteen successes will also let you manufacture parts to spaceships, much larger ones. And then you get into the question of how many components is gonna, are going to be in your spacecraft, four, eight, twelve higher numbers, and those are all going to be more successes needed on this extended roll. And during all this time, any number of characters can be making rolls. You can rewind a few steps and make other roles that you're successful in again. So show more leg if that's what you're into. And this is a chance for really the entire party to get together and play out whatever steps they need to make this happen. Again, it really feels like a skill challenge in uh, 4.0 D&D. You can bring a lot of assets to the table as long as they involve the craft roll one of the Golga Frenchans
2: complaining of the ship they're building. Yes, but what color should it be? <laughs>
0: as long as NASA still writing uh, invoices, it's going to be white, damn it. <laughs> I think this is where a lot of the expenses for the crafting process come in. Because bare minimum, it's going to take about 40 creds, I think, to get this off the ground. That lets you reserve a week of time in a level one facility. I assume that if you're making 16 different components you're going to require a lot more successes and that's going to be more days in the fact. although the rules don't really show how that scales out too much, I mean 40 cred per week. It doesn't specify that you're doing all this work here, but I think the Game Master could reasonably extrapolate that it's going to cost about 40 creds per week of process time to do all this stuff. And that's a fairly expensive uh, investment for a low level party. One super fun complication is if you've decided to skip the testing phase, so you really shouldn't skip the testing phase. Because if you skip the testing phase, then at this point, I believe, you simply roll 1d12 to see if it blows up in your face. On a 1 through 4, it was successful. Anything higher than that, and you've uh, incorporated some dangerous flaw into your work. So don't skip the testing phase unless you're in a really big hurry. And even then, you still have to make more successes on the dice roll, so I'm not sure it helps. If you're designing a tablecloth, we really don't need tablecloths that catch on fire. No, no, that's true. Well, it depends on what effect you're going for. So this is a place where I think the craft skill can represent, again, project management rather than mechanical know-how, because you can really make a montage out of this scene by bringing in other members of the party, send the fox in, we need that weird body presence role, sweet talk the packet, letting you work on the rest of their equipment or whittle off a few days here. Uh, Help rules are always going to be a thing, and I think that's something we don't use in our campaign often enough is the idea that everyone in the party can kind of share skills in this way. So the party crafter can pass on dots to other folks to whatever degree it's needed. Another complication is the intellectual property issue, which I think we talked about this in a previous episode. If you craft an object as an employee, you're able to use level one uh, manufacturing facts for free, quote unquote. With three allegiance, four allegiance, with a higher level of allegiance, you're able to use the level two facts for free. But if you do so, then the company's keeping your blueprint. They have rights to your intellectual property. And. And do you get a copy and a thank you? <laughs> yes. This doesn't necessarily mean that if you pay for a space at a fact, you give up your rights. I don't think you can assume that, although. With a healthy level of PC paranoia, you might not want to use Marsco's facts if you have some enmity with Marsco or have crossed one of their sales reps at some point in time. Right. There are cameras everywhere. But this game, I don't think it wants to assume that everything's going to be stolen all the time. That's kind of like putting a uh, a trap in every single room of a dungeon. It just makes the party go slower and be basically unhappy. Mm -hmm. Just
2: the guys with the really skinny mustaches that that run the place. Don't trust them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Theoretically, you can sell a blueprint for four times the cost of an object, of the final object, and that's subject to negotiation. Uh, I think that some questions would be uh, exclusive rights, whether the rights to this can be held by other corps, and if so, what does that mean for the price tag they're throwing around? And you know how good your diplomacy roles are, that sort of thing. And that's another place where we can bring in other members of the party to do, do negotiations for you because mechanics aren't necessarily... People, people. Yeah. Or (laughs) vector (laughs) vectors. So, to reiterate, in the concept phase, you are going to conceptualize your design. You're going to roll it forward to the design phase where you are going to blueprint it using a design computer. This is going to involve a lot of fine tuning, drafting, and inspecting. In the testing phase, you're going to theoretically test your software at someone else's facility, unless you're on your own, and that'll give you a chance to work out some of those social skills and then you get a blueprint which is one of the most important things you can get in HSD. From there you can take that blueprint and plug it into your Printomatic 2000 and theoretically you can over the course of many 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 successes cough up the object of your dreams. That is the crafting process. And that's why we now have bananas that are purple. Amen. Ah, so some questions that have come up in other episodes and in our campaign how can you use this, or can you use this process to add an addition to a life form? I think in one of our recent previous episodes, Ashtar suggested that this is what you would use to cobble together an extra arm to stitch to someone. And I wonder if the rules support using this for a modification like that. It's to create a, a blueprint for a surgery? Effectively, yeah, the blueprint for surgery. And there are bioprinters in this
1: universe, but I don't know if you can strap them onto somebody. Print the part separately and then... Surgically attacking, that's it, right? Yeah. Well, if you're printing the thing, you might as well make it compatible. True. And it's got to match their scale pattern, too. And kind of
0: adjunct to this is I don't really know how this process is used to make modifications to weapons and things like that. I kind of think that's part of the MacGyvering rules. That's just something you can slap onto another project. But the rules suggest that at four successes, five successes, you can add a modification to an existing weapon. I guess that's just a part Maybe maybe it's an easier process because it's part of a greater whole and you can't use it on its own. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's a way of suggesting that you can print out an extra arm for somebody using this if you coded their genetics, etc. How do you test that arm, by the way? Just flop, 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 flop. Say, <laughs> so, hey, Bob. Yeah? Smack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it works. I'm still not sure if you can apply the crafting rules to artisanal crafting, which is... Um, like the painter process, the writer process, that sort of thing.
1: But I think you could modify them somewhat to fill that role. I was getting all excited for cheese and craft beers.
0: (laughs) Avocado toast. You need your craft beer blueprints, sir. (laughs) Step three, add bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) So I, 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 I would like to see if the craft rules can be adapted to more intellectual property. This would help out content provider characters which I, I always find very interesting right relevant to our campaign yeah and, and to my own personal interest as well the rules focus the crafting rules focus on limited runs so it kind of makes sense for more intellectual property the blueprint idea is kind of confusing i think it just muddies the issue a bit but you can kind of throw that out to start with i'd suggest adding inspire or express to the list of skill rolls uh, that you need for phase one because or maybe book smarts, because those are needed to get your grammar in order to know your painting technique, etc. Know what the great masters did, uh, know how to make a Doric pillar that won't fall over, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Don't know how the testing phase would carry over. That's an important part of the manufacturing phase. What it represents is kind of a social space for the crafting role and the crafting world. I feel like this might be trying to get a manuscript past the editor or to maybe get some investors and then you can maybe make a community presence role to show what you know or who you know. Because that really is more important than how good you are, as the entire world of science fiction publishing has shown us repeatedly.
2: True. I'm also thinking we we watched that uh, the people making fun of the film Grease the other night. We were talking about the origin of that, how it had been produced as a drama. And the audiences hated it as a drama, and so it was turned into a nostalgia film, which is what we are now familiar with.
0: Yeah, and a community role would let you read people fairly well, and that might
2: kind of let that play out. Yeah, so you're... Adapting. So your character's libertarian manifesto may turn into a slapstick comedy, but a far more successful one. (laughs) Have there ever been any role-playing games based on playing Santa? I assume crafting would be a big role part of those, and elf management. (laughs)
1: That just kind of came out of nowhere.
2: (laughs) Well, I was thinking of of role playing scenarios involving heavy bases on crafting.
1: That seems like one of the new indie card game type things where where you'd be little elves bartering and trading pieces and parts of presents to put together enough presents to win by filling Santa's sack. White, White
0: Wolf had a product line that was based on kind of Frankenstein and Gollum type things. So, hey, there you go. Okay, for the uh, drafting phase of the design sequence where you have to kind of sketch things out, uh, usually that uses body decks plus crafts. But maybe here you might swap in mind resilience plus craft to represent burning the midnight oil, uh, long sleepless nights, um, the very agonizing period of being, quote, in the zone, unquote, where you wake up surrounded by bags of empty bags of Cheetos and a half finished manuscript that may 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 or may make sense. The thirty seventh monster of the evening. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you have necessarily the need for a manu- for a manufacturing facility at the end, but the massive pile of success rolls you have to build might still make sense within that context, just to show the difficulty
1: of creating a seven volume novel series of some or something like that. A small empty studio on the bad side of town would work. So I feel like craft should be able to refer to physical just make-a-thing
0: roles and that Martha Stewart would, in fact, have more than one dot in craft. If nothing else, she can force other people to do her work for her, and that kind of falls into the project management sense that I think this skill really can take on.
2: So if you're a martial artist and you're trying to design a new martial arts maneuver where you fly through the air and kick someone in the face, would that involve craft?
0: I think that you'd, at step one, be rolling uh, close quarter combat with your various inspiration roles to see if you can map out the concept and the key points and such like
2: but should a martial arts master character have craft to represent their ability to develop new maneuvers or is that taking craft too general
0: well i mean the rules as written suggest that crafting is only useful for mass-produced elements at a 3d printer or endlessly replicated software things so Any effort to bring this into a more general field, I think, is going to require some bending of the rules. That's why I think that in a certain light, craft can be mental discipline and project management, which could theoretically be used to develop martial practices. But that does seem a little a little bit of a stretch there. There's not really, I guess I was deliberately trying to come up with with a edge case. I feel like that may be abstracting things too much. Yeah. But yeah, I see. I'd wanted to work, but that's deep intellectual property at that point.
2: Uh, although now I'm thinking of the great example of that, of the martial arts maneuver being turned into a mass product, which is, of course, Shaolin soccer.
0: Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. And that was a combination of finance and martial arts that we shall never see again. Yeah. There comes a time in each man's life but he can't even believe his own eyes. Well, after your description, I don't think I'd want to see it either. So let's wrap up tonight's talk with things the hosts think are awesome this week in news and media, furry events, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, who has something they'd like to kick off with? So I started this week, I started this stint going through the zoology news section trying to find some exciting information or articles about animals and all I found was a very sad article about how global warming was affecting African wild dog birth rates so I got really depressed and I went to Kickstarter and I found a new widget that is currently being kickstarted. I think there's 22 days on the campaign This uh, particular widget is a spy tech gadget. It's a little fingering smart ape
2: (laughs) (laughs) That that should help with the birth rates
0: Try that one again. It's a finger hyphen ring smartphone called the Ori, O-R-I-I. It's a really cute device. You put it on your finger. It's about the size of a postage stamp, I suppose. Looks like a little LED screen. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of make an L shape with your finger and thumb, press the tip of your finger to your ear, and it transmits the sound of the person speaking or the phone noise along your bones into your ear providing something resembling decent fidelity sound based on some of the same technology they use for hearing aids effectively. Sure. I don't actually see how this is more or less useful than, say, an earpiece, but it looks really cute seeing the people wandering around uh, talking, basically talking into their thumbs is what it looks like.
2: With their fingers in their ears.
0: Yeah. It kind of feels a little like magic technology but kind of silly magic technology mm-hmm. but it looks really neat and it's just a little, little ring that you wear on your finger and then you talk into your thumb it's a, it's a neat looking gadget and in many cases marketing is half of the ingredients of uh, a good technology so I really like this one the quick launch option for a slightly cheaper version to buy yourself this item before the rest of the flock hits is still available even 10 days into the
1: campaign it's $120 to get your own Ori phone ring it's worth a look I'll put that in the show notes And if you move that L-shape to your forehead, you're in a Smash Mouth video.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to mention something which is coming up in the world of furry conventions is Furry Siesta, which is Texas Furry Fiesta's summer event, which has always fascinated me because my, my background is in the social sciences. And I always kind of wonder who cares? Now as somebody who, who runs panels at furry conventions and that's fine. But there's the question who really cares about panels at a furry convention. And Furry Siesta answers that question by having a convention with no panels. I mean, it's breaking <laughs>
0: my widow heart. Here. <laughs> I
2: know, but they, they, and they just rent some big rooms and people just do whatever they want. There is no official structure to it whatsoever. After three years, it's bigger than a lot of cons. I think the last one was what? 400 people. Uh, maybe 700. It was large. I think it was like 400. We we, we might hit 700 this year. I don't know. But kind of neat, neat event and just an, an interesting idea that maybe some of the structure of a convention isn't that important. That really people are just there to, to meet with each other.
0: However, we are watching the slow increase of vendors at this non-con and organizing like the dances starting to take place. Yeah. So I think there's some room for both. And we're going to see where the pendulum finally stops swinging. Right. Will it slowly become a con or... You know is that a bad thing we'll find out this may also be the first con
1: that's actually in an airport so i look forward to seeing how that goes as well Mm -hmm. yeah you'll have the non-con and right next door you'll have the counter con that's the that's the con con con. (laughs) all right so making the news this week is uh fairly interesting and Stop me when you figure out if I'm talking about either HSD or real life here, because the CEO of a major corporation dealing with uh, future energy solutions and transportation has called out another CEO of a large communication and research corporation, and they're publicly arguing about the place of AI and the threats to basically the world. Yeah. If we're talking about today's news, I think we also need to deal with the advent of artificial stupidity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, that, that's all natural.
1: Oh, okay. Homegrown. But yeah, it's it's interesting to me that there are such diverse opinions on the threat of AI to the human race and civilization. On one hand, you've got the people saying, yeah, we, we really need to regulate this because we're going to create the robot that will kill us all. And on the other side, you've got, eh, it's fine, which may actually be the extent of the argument as far as I can tell. But, you know raw
0: robots do I need to add Ashtar Sites Elon Musk to the radio free demos dis- drinking game sure you know he makes the news a lot that's true you follow his blog <laughs> send him letters I, I, I'm thinking oh, hi of, Elon it's me Ashtar
1: notice me
2: <laughs> I'm thinking of the the back door, particularly in Texas of even if we keep AIs from controlling the guns how do we prevent them from talking Texans into doing something stupid for them Just AI saying, I bet you couldn't shoot that government building Oh yeah?
0: (laughs) Hold my beer (laughs) According to Terminator, guns don't kill people,
1: AIs kill people, and guns kill people Hold my beer (laughs) We we just lost half our viewers (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I just asked them for money too (laughs) Rewind
0: I think I think that's all the time and sense we have this evening. So I'm going to call this to an abrupt ending. Thank you all. Uh, Check the show notes. Please chip in on the buy the hosts their own space station campaign and catchy outro line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Chronicles, both by Sirius Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, radiofreedemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.
2: Uh, so Corbo, you're talking about later in the section is where you show some leg, and there's something about spitting something out.
0: I'm not going to use that line. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs>